to episode one of the podcast. I have decided to start a podcast for a couple of reasons. Number one, I even personally myself these days are listening more to YouTube videos than I'm actually watching them. So I figured most of you guys probably have commutes, probably have chores, errands you guys gotta do. And you can't always just sit in front of a computer or even on your smartphone and watch my videos. Uh, primarily up until this point, I've primarily been a YouTuber, uh, putting out a lot of uh, videos. I think I'm up to over 300 uh, at this point. Uh, but even myself, I'm realizing as I'm doing my chores and on my commutes and just driving around town doing the stuff I got to do, I'm listening. I'm actually spending way more time using audio and consuming audio than I am even of video. So I wanted to put a new form of content out there uh, to really give you guys something to uh, not only be inspired and motivated by, but also learn something about the sync licensing world. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know who I am. My name is Jesse, and you probably have been following me for at least a couple of months at this point. If you're not aware, I am a professional sync licensing producer, and that's been my full-time income for the last 10, 11 years or so, um, it was not an easy uh, journey, it was not an easy path, and I made a lot of dumb, ridiculously stupid mistakes when I first got started. And about three years ago, um, I was growing, I was getting a lot of placements, I was doing really well with the libraries that I had partnered with, despite all those mistakes that I had made. Uh, but I hit this really, really bad point in my career where I felt completely uninspired. I had no motivation. Uh, I felt like I was making cover versions of songs that I had just completed. I had completely got into the formulaic side of producing music and the sort of, I guess you call the excitement of getting a placement, getting new placements, getting new royalties, even seeing that stuff grow. It just kind of wore off and maybe in this point in your career you don't see how that could even be possible i mean getting paid to do what you love how could that ever get old how could you ever be bored of that well i did i, I don't know how to describe it other than the fact that i just was kind of dreading my job I, I had basically turned my passion for creating music into another job that i didn't love um and there were many reasons for that and in this first uh, episode of the podcast i wanted to basically talk to you guys about that process, that journey where I was, um, and also more importantly, answer to you guys why I didn't give up, why I didn't just decide, okay, I'm, I'm burned out on this, I gotta go do something else. Um, why sync licensing is still 100% my love and joy in life. And I really wanna answer that question for you today as well, and that's why the title of this first episode is why sync licensing? Um, it's not for all producers, you guys know that. It's really, it requires a certain kind of um, mindset, attitude, dedication, and also you have to see the benefits of this particular niche side of the, of the entertainment industry and see that this is gonna be really fitting for you and your personal priorities in life because there are some producers and some artists out there that just want fame. They just wanna blow up with a viral hit. They wanna make millions of dollars off of their first single, <laughs> off of their first album, um, or they really just love the tour, they wanna play on stage, uh, they like credit, they want to get um, awards, um, they wanna go to the Grammys, right? They want all of these things. None of that comes into play in the sync licensing business. So if you thought that's what you were getting into this industry for, probably not going to be a great fit for you. Uh, we are sort of the unsung heroes of the film and television um, entertainment business that we, you know, in that we don't get on-screen credits most of the time. I'd say 99% of the time, you'll never see my name <laughs> appearing on screen anywhere on any of the placements that I've gotten. Um, and 
if that's going to be an issue for you, if you really want the spotlight and you want the limelight and you want the recognition, I'm just sorry to be the bearer of bad news. You're just not going to get that in the sync licensing business. So I want to basically dedicate this first episode to answering the question for why sync licensing. If you're not getting any of those kind of benefits, what's in it for you? Why would you want to dedicate a large chunk of your time, maybe a couple of years into the side of the business um, to make this work for you if you want to make this your full-time income source, okay? So getting back into what made me almost bail out three years ago um, in this industry. As I said before, I had been, I, I got the formula down. After eight years, I guess, at that point in my career, I had figured out how to succeed, okay? I knew how to make licensable tracks. I knew how to uh, serve the needs of my clients, which were my music libraries. I knew how to directly um, give them the music that would land in these placements. And I just, you know, I, you do anything for eight years, you start to kind of figure it out, right? You, you, you know, as long as, you're, as long as you're learning from your mistakes, not doing the same thing over and over again. So I luckily had that going for me. Um, but... I was completely isolated. Uh, at that point, I was living in Las Vegas. I had lived in LA for many years before that. I decided for no really good reason to move out to Las Vegas. If you ask me now, why did I go out there? Well, in my personal life at that time, I had a manager that I had recently fired. Um, I was in a band that basically just got dropped by Tyrese Gibson's production company. That's another story. I'll tell that probably on another podcast. Um, I had felt like literally we were at the top of the world had the world at our fingertips, we're gonna do great things. And it was just like, not only did I actually, are the company, my day job, which I loved at the time, we got bought out by another company, so I lost that job. Tyrese gives us the call, actually it was his manager, gave us the call, sorry, you guys are dropped, we're not keeping you anymore. Um, and then at the same time, I had an issue with my manager where he was taking more income from me than our agreement stipulated that he would. And I called him out on that, he didn't really have a great answer for what, why he was taking more money. It was on me for sure. I should have been monitoring this stuff. And I didn't even think to go look at our original contract to see what is the percentage you should be taking off the income that I'm making. I didn't keep on track of that again, one of my dumb early mistakes and confronted him on it. And the answer he gave me was not satisfactory. So I decided, you know, this is not somebody I want to partner with moving forward. And he would actually also was a very close friend of mine. So not only did I lose my job, lost my, uh, it wasn't a record deal, but a production deal with my band, lost the manager and wanted a really good friend. So all three of those things basically lined up about the same period in my life. So that was three gut punches immediately in a row. So I was at the point where I wanted to just do something completely fresh. I, at that point, had started um, getting into sync licensing. I had been in it for at least a few years at that point, dabbling, again, not 100% fully committed, but just putting some tracks out here and there. And I decided, you know what, um, LA, not exactly the place I think I wanna be forever. Um, and I think as long as I can continue on with this sync licensing thing, um, I can go live somewhere where you know my rent's gonna be a third of the cost. Um, and as long as I have a strong, solid internet connection, I can still do this from anywhere. So I literally went to Craigslist, was looking around for apartments and places I could move to because my rent at that point was very high. And I stumbled across something from, um, it was actually Big Bear up in the mountains uh, on the uh, east side of LA. And it was a temporary thing, three months, you could basically have this entire cabin to yourself. I think it was like 600 bucks a month, something like that. And I was like, man, that'd be kind of interesting. You know, I could kind of get away from all of this, clear my head a little bit, become kind of a mountain man, maybe grow a beard, right? Um, and uh, just try that out. Like basically kind of living like a nomad for a little bit and getting away from the insanity of LA and just all the sort of um, 
heartbreak that I had felt from just all these gut punches just previously. So I just wanted to do a complete fresh start moved up there um, and I did it, brought my entire home studio up with me and throughout those three months, like nothing got interrupted. I still was cranking out music and at that point I started to get a little more serious because I'm like, well, if this is gonna be my full-time income, I better start to double or even triple down on how much I'm spending on, um, in terms of the time on producing new music and really doubling up with some of the libraries that I had been partnered up with till that time. So for three months, I literally was kind of isolated from, you know, I still would talk to my friends and family members and that kind of thing. But, you know, you live about an hour and a half outside of L.A. where everybody else lives. You start to distance yourself a little bit from it. And believe it or not, I kind of liked it, actually. Uh, I didn't deal with any traffic. My cost of living went down significantly. And I spent a lot more music or a lot more time uh, producing tracks. And and I saw better things coming my way uh, as a result of this. So that sort of was my eye-opening experience to realize I don't have to live in LA. I don't have to pay ridiculous rent. I don't have to fight through traffic. I don't have to live in the pollution. I don't have to deal with all this nonsense. Um, I can live almost anywhere. And as long as I still have my home studio and an internet connection, those two things, I can do this. So the three months started to come to an end and I'm starting to panic a bit. I didn't plan at all. I'm like, what do I do now? Okay. So I start looking on Craigslist again. Where can I move? You know, what should I, what should I do? And a lot of places I'm seeing is like, you know, if you want to spend six to $800 for rent, you got to live, you got basically got to rent a room out of somebody else's house. And I'm going to be working and sleeping in the same room and then sharing space with somebody else. And they're not going to want to hear me cranking out music all the time. I'm like, this is just not, that's not a scenario that I can see myself really thriving. in. I think I'll always be walking on eggshells and always feel like I'm a guest in somebody else's home, which I technically would be right. So for whatever reason, I looked even further outside of LA and Las Vegas was one of the, the places that I was like, oh, let's just see what's going on in Las Vegas. Saw the rent numbers. That was really the big thing for me. I was like, huh, I could go get a place for 500 a month, 600 a month and live like a king over there. I mean, literally have a two bedroom apartment. Uh, you know, the community would have a pool, all this cool stuff. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. I might be able to do that in Vegas, still paying almost next to nothing, still cranking out really a, a lot of tracks and uh, being able to focus 100% on that. Um, another piece of the puzzle that I didn't mention is that I, at this point, also was an independent contractor doing video work. And that's kind of why I do fairly well with the video content that I put out there. I'm not a great video producer. Uh, I don't even really edit most of my uh, YouTube videos, if you guys probably noticed. Um, I'm also very lazy. But I figured out how to basically operate cameras and audio equipment and all that kind of stuff through some of those gigs. So the other part of Vegas, which was very appealing to me, was that, man, I could get a lot of cool um, day gigs right out there. I, there's so many conventions and seminars, and like that's all the Las Vegas trip essentially is, is nothing but seminars and conventions. And guess what all of those need? They need video people, right? They need a day gig for you to come in there record their seminar, record their audio, record whatever it is that you need to do and make some money. So I was like, great. So even if music takes a while to continuously build up, I've got another option there to start getting some day gigs. And so I made the choice and that was pretty much it. There wasn't, I mean, I did think about I'm getting even further away from my friends and family. So I really was getting disconnected from um, a lot more people. But I figured, you know, eh, at that point, what was the year? 2000 and uh, was it 13, 2013, 2014, I got the internet, social media, you know, I have Facebook, I'll keep in touch with people. What was what, this going to really be like? Right. And, and, you know, LA is about four hour drive. I can come back anytime. I'm not really leaving to go anywhere. It's just a different neighborhood. That's kind of how I sort of t sold it to myself essentially to realize that it's not going to be too weird. 
So I move out there, um, and it took a while to meet some people, probably a couple of months before I met at least two guys that became sort of my close friends out there. Um, and that was really very like crucial for me, because if I hadn't met those two guys um, and hung out with them and sort of had a little bit of a social circle with them, I think I would have bailed out of Vegas much sooner on. Um, but even with having those two great friends, which I do still keep in touch with, and I still appreciate their friendship, I definitely started to feel as the year and the second year and the third year rolled on much more isolated, much more by myself, much more just completely separated from the people that I really loved and cared about. So there was this sense of isolation creeping into me and that started to lead to some depression. Um, I really got, got really bummed out about life, just not really looking forward to things. Um, I gained weight. I had probably put on at least 20, 25 pounds at the time. Even had a gym membership and I was actually going to the gym probably every two or three days, but um, was just eating very poorly, uh, loading up on sugar and snacks. That's my weakness is sugar. Hopelessly addicted to sugar, just eating, 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 um, gaining weight, not feeling good, not living a very healthy lifestyle, staying up way too late, 1, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., waking up way too late, 9, 10 a.m., just everything. Um, I was still making music. I was still motivated and hustled by that. And I would say that that was the one constant throughout all of this that was happening in my life was just that I'd still have something to do. I'd wake up and it, there'd still be music to make. There'd still be something that would actually uh, get me out of bed and get me excited, um, at least about that, right? Um, but even as those couple, I think I was there for three, four years ultimately, but basically by the year three, that's when basically the poor lifestyle cho choices, the being isolated from my friends and family, and that's just sort of depression creeping into my life. That's when I started to hit this big wall, and it got to the point where I did not want to make music. I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't inspired, um, and it was like, great. Okay, you want me to make another four EDM or four dubstep tracks, just like I've done 96 times before? Great. That's That was where my heart was. That was where my attitude was at that point. It was very funky, um, very down, um, and just yeah, I was just a bummer. I didn't even like being with me. I just would, I don't know. My, my brain was just in a really, really bad spot. My body was in a bad spot. Everything was in a bad spot. This is what would eventually lead me to understand how important my health was. I was completely neglecting it. And, and it was one of the number one leading factors to this sort of burnout. So I remember, I think it was, I think it was in a, uh, it was a, it was in fall. It was around this time of year, actually. I'm recording this in October. So it was around in September, October, November, something like that in 2015. I hit a massive wall and I remember I just said, I don't want to do this anymore. I just don't think this is for me. I'm not excited to make music. I can't even see, I can't even put myself through this again. I can't pull myself to make another track to do this stuff again. I know it works. I know I'm making income. At that point, my all my bills were paid for my royalties. I still had no joy. I was not excited about it. I was just not, not uh, interested in doing it anymore. So I literally emailed maybe foolishly, maybe not. It's what I did. I emailed all of my libraries at the point at time I was working with three consistently and I even had a couple other ones that were inconsistent and I let them know too. And I said, uh, I'm going to take a break from licensing. So I know that I'm ongoing with you guys. I'm giving you guys music pretty much every week, but I want to let you know um, that I think I'd give them like one more week notice. I was like, I'm going to finish up what I got now. But once this is finished, I'm pretty much out. Sorry. Like I'm just kind of, I, I've hit a wall. I'm going to basically try to do some other things um, in my life. And if I do come back, I will definitely let you know. Of course, if there's a spot for me, great. I don't expect you to hold any spots for me. So I, you know, whatever, basically best of luck. We'll see what the future brings. So that's basically how I left it. So if you guys are, you know, if you're aware, it's not a smart thing to walk away from a great close relationship that's getting you placements and doing well. But again, where my heart and my soul was at at that point, just couldn't do it. I just couldn't pull myself to do it anymore. 
So I completely walked away and I just started entertaining almost anything else other than music. I was not, I just didn't want to do music. I, I felt like I had hit a wall. Um, I was not interested in it and I wasn't creatively motivated. I felt like in a way, but as silly as it might sound, I felt like, you know what? I'm too old for music at this point. And I was only, what was I, I guess 27, uh, 28, something like that. And I thought, yeah, music's for kids in their early 20s and late teens. I'm, I'm, too, I'm done with music. My career, my career was great. Nice little career I had for myself. And I'm too old for that now. At 28, I was saying that. Believe it or not, it sounds crazy now, but that's literally where my head was at. So I went to anything you can think of just to see, like, what else could I do? I was looking on, like, can I sell stuff on eBay, right? Can I buy stuff that's used and maybe, you know, throw it up there or buy cheap stuff from China and sort of flip a profit and make a couple of bucks per item or whatever it is? Um, I looked at Amazon. Can I sell there? Um I got more into video producing. I really sort of, I beefed up. I've created a whole uh, platform and a whole website. And I did business cards and just did a lot more, um, you know, basically just talking and, and talking with, um, uh, networking with people, trying to get more gigs. I even got into uh, selling e-cigs. E-cigs were blowing up at the time. And I'm like, man, I should start my own um, e-cig, uh, what is it called? Uh, like a juice company. And so I actually literally bought all the ingredients. And this was well before, I don't know if it's even regulated now or what where it is now. I haven't followed that industry since. But this was when you could literally just buy all the ingredients yourself, get the flavoring, and you could basically label and bottle up your own uh, e-cig juice and sell it online. Like it was completely the wild west of it. So I did that, um, even started an online business for that. Um, just everything, almost anything I could that was completely opposite music. I, did, I didn't want to do music. I was like, I'm done with that. So Time after time, though, as I went through each one of these endeavors, the same kind of thing would creep in where it's like, okay, yeah, this is kind of making me some money and this and that, but the passion still wasn't coming in. You know, I wasn't excited to sell e-cig juice to people, right? That's not something I was very excited about. I also wasn't very excited to go do video content for people, to film their seminar um, or to record them or do any of that kind of stuff or do video editing. Yeah, it was nice to, you know, be good at a craft and be competent and get paid for it. That was all fun. I really enjoyed that part of it. But, you know, getting out of bed and being excited to do that. So, no, no, it's obviously something that I saw. There's going to be a wall at the end of this road, too. And I don't I don't see that. So it's that even made the depression even worse for me because I'm like, OK, there's no there's no answer. There's really no hope. Like no matter what I do, there's going to be this massive wall and I can't get through it. So what the hell do I do? So that's where even more pressure started to build on me. So this is about maybe like three to six months into this process where I took a break where this idea just came to me out of, I don't even know where it came to me, but it just came to me. And the idea was, you know what? You don't even talk to anybody that does sync licensing. Like you literally, um, I mean, there was a couple people that I would, you know, whatever, once in a while we'd email or maybe get on the phone, but you know, once every three months, once every six months, I would talk to somebody that I used to work with or an old bandmate or something like that. We'd chop it up about music, but I'm like, you know, there's nobody that I'm like consistently hanging out with or talking to about what it's like to go through this industry and how hard it is sometimes to really get through these moments of doubt and frustration because I didn't have that when I hit my wall, I bailed. I, I didn't have a community to go to. I didn't have a person to call. I didn't have anybody that was doing this full time to really just kind of just unload on really and just share what I was going through and then maybe they could sort of encourage me and help me and say, hey man, I've been there too. Like you're not alone. Everybody goes through that. Everybody feels like that. So don't don't feel like you're you're the only one that's gone through these sort of moments of doubt. I had nothing like that back in the day, back in 2015 and early 2016. So 
I was like, well, throughout the process of starting all these sort of, you know, side hustles is what they pretty much were, right? They weren't real businesses, but just a little side hustle. You know, I learned how to create a website through that e-sig thing that I was doing. Um, obviously, I learned a little bit more and did a much more video work through that process and uh, really dived into doing uh, more YouTube stuff at the time. And I was looking into doing a, basically starting a YouTube channel completely unrelated to music licensing. I wanted to do maybe current events or like uh, I was really into politics at the time. So I wanted to talk about political stuff. So I'd really uh, taken some, some deep dives into creating a YouTube channel channel so like all these separate things came out of that time off away from music and all coalesced and connected together for me to have this big epiphany moment of like I need to create a YouTube channel about music licensing and I need to create a community for people to basically I'm going to create my own be selfish and create a community for me essentially so that if I reach these moments again I'll have somebody to reach out to and really find that inspiration and that motivation because there still was this little kernel of excitement that I wanted to get back into producing music that was still there throughout those six months. Um, but it was still that fear of like, well, if I get back into it and I don't change anything, I'll just wind up at the same place again. So I at least had that foresight. I needed to do something different um, and, and change my approach. So just decided to put out a couple of videos on YouTube, uh, put together a, basically a course. I wanted to share this information. I had also been, throughout the years of me getting into sync licensing, I had gotten that question so many times and I never did anything. Like people always ask me, Jesse, how do you get into that sync license? That's so cool, man, how do you do that? And I never just gave them like a complete like, all right, here's A to Z. I would just kind of give them like, well, you know, you got to partner with music libraries and make high quality music. Um, and then you just got to put out a bunch of tracks and, you know, hopefully you get a lot of placements. But I didn't really have a sort of like, no, here's step one all the way to step 100. Here's how you actually do it. Um, I just gave them a sort of quick overview of essentially what the business model is. Um, and I realized, you know what, there's probably thousands, maybe tens of thousands of producers out there that would appreciate that sort of step one to step 100. How do you actually get started? What's step one? What? How do you make this music that can really get placed? How do you look for a really high quality library to partner with, et cetera, et cetera. All the stuff that you guys know if you've been following my YouTube channel, my particular process for how it really worked for me, partnering with libraries directly, okay? And so that led me down that path of putting a YouTube channel out there, creating a course, um, creating a, a Facebook group, um, and just basically trying to create some sort of a community around sync licensing and basically showing you guys my path for how I actually achieved it, how it actually succeeded for me. But also I wanted to be um, not like selling the dream, right? And telling you guys, oh, it's just great. It's roses. It's easy. It's so lucrative. And, you know, there are incredible things about this industry that you guys probably are aware of. But I also wanted to be very real with you, very honest with you, and tell you guys exactly what what it takes to really do well in this business and all the pitfalls and the big obstacles and major hurdles that you are going to face in this industry because I've lived it. And I don't teach anything and I've never shared anything on my channel or, or through an email that I've sent out or even it's going to be on this podcast. I will never tell you guys anything that I haven't personally lived or gone through. I won't stand by anything, I should say, any wisdom or any advice that I'll give to you unless I've personally lived through it and gone through it and, and can tell you for self, myself personally, in my bones, it works. This is absolutely what can absolutely work for you, okay? Um, I don't like it when I see other people teaching. No matter what the industry is, it could be a music thing, it could be real estate, it could be whatever it is, but people teaching stuff that they haven't personally experienced because there is a big difference between reading a book about a topic and then relaying that information to a bunch of people and living it and being it and, and living and, and um, experiencing and working in the exact field that you're claiming that you have some expertise on. And so I am not 
an expert on a lot of things. On most things, I am not an expert on. When it comes to partnering with libraries and getting placements, that is the one thing I can absolutely tell you guys. That is my niche. That is my one piece that I really have gotten to know extremely well inside and out. And most of it came from trial and error. I am my own uh, scientist in a laboratory. I A-B tested my way through this business, made tons of stupid, dumb mistakes, wasted time, wasted energy, wasted money, did all that kind of stuff. And then, wow, okay, good to know that that doesn't work. Let me try a different approach. And sometimes that second approach wasn't the right approach, so I'd have to change it or whatever. So that was my philosophy getting started with my YouTube channel and putting my um, my company out there. Now, if you're new to the channel, you probably are not aware of this. This is kind of insider fun trivia. The first name of my YouTube channel and my company was Music Makes Cash. Boy, was that a terrible business name. Probably the worst business name I've ever heard of, actually, now that I look back on it. And I wanted to be very blunt and do the pack to the fact uh, when you stumble across my channel or my website that I want you to understand that your music is valuable and that you can actually make money with it if you do it the way that I'm teaching you to do it. So that was why I labeled and gave my company that name and my YouTube channel that name. As time goes on, you get feedback, especially when you're online, you're a semi-public figure as I am now. You, people are not shy to share with you uh, their opinions, and I get a lot of unfiltered and um, straight-to-the-point opinions, and I love them, actually. I, and please, all of you guys, if you've got some criticism or something you want to say uh, about what you don't like about what I'm doing or whatever, please never be shy. Always, always send me those because those always either motivate me to do something better or excite me or sometimes, I'll be honest, piss me off a little bit, but even that anger and that little bit of uh, you know fire that I feel in my belly always pushes me to work even harder. So I love it. So please don't don't stop sending it my way. Please do. But I got enough feedback through Facebook, YouTube, emails, and they said, Jess, you know, you, you got great stuff. Like your content's really good, like really legit. But I saw the name of your, like let's say they saw an ad on Facebook or they saw a video or something. They say, you know, I saw that name Music Makes Cash and I, my, my immediate thought was, you know, it, it just seems scammy. It just seems like it's kind of like, you know, cash for gold or, you know, one of those late night infomercials like, you know, be a millionaire in 30 days. It just, it's too, you're, you're overselling something there and it just doesn't come across as a legitimate offering. It just seems like you're sort of underselling yourself um, with that name. That name is just very, it's like the cheap, very um, low quality name, but your content is very high quality. So there's a mismatch there. So I got a couple of direct emails from some of my um, followers and subscribers. And enough of those came in time after time that I was like, yes, you guys are absolutely right. And, um, you know, just didn't know what I was doing. Again, just like sync licensing, made a big mistake, had no idea, but had to have some name. I didn't want to call it my, my, my own personal name. I just wanted to put out a name. So um, I don't know if it was maybe a year or so into that, I changed my business name and my YouTube channel and everything else is associated with me to sync my music because obviously sync for synchronization, music synchronization, synchronization for TV film and obviously sync my music. And, I, and that name was um, structured, that, structured that way in those uh, terms because I wanted you as you watched and consumed or followed me or saw something from me that you could own that, that sync my music. I want you to say that to yourself that I can sync my music. And one of the I guess you'd call it a, get, a bit of a catchphrase. I don't really talk about it much, but I have it on the, the main uh, website is, I don't just make beats, I sync my music, okay? So a lot of producers out there are just constantly producing tracks and they're trying to sell beats and they're trying to shop them to artists and they're just, they don't, they don't really know what they're doing. They're just trying to get it out there 
throwing their music against the wall and seeing if something sticks. When you get into music licensing, especially TV film sync licensing, you are out of that ether world of just seeing what happens and you're much more focused and you really get down to the point of uh, providing a valuable um, product to the libraries that you partner with. And so that's why I made the distinction between you're not just a beat maker. You are in a, a music licensing. Um, you can be a composer. You can be a producer, whatever you want to be. But you are syncing your music. That is your particular goal. Okay, you're not just putting out tracks out there, hoping you you know win a contest or hoping your next SoundCloud track goes viral. You know, there's no hoping and wishing going on with what I'm teaching. You are basically diving down into the work understanding that you are in a service industry and providing that valuable product to particular clients that you partner with and have a direct relationship, okay? So that was one of the big overarching themes that I wanted to basically associate with my company. And then Sync My Music was the name and that's what I moved forward with and that's what I still have to this day. So that's basically the start of my journey, how I started my YouTube channel, how I started my, um, my um, online um, uh, website and my course to start teaching producers how to do this stuff. I, at the, when I started this stuff, I didn't have Sync Edge, I didn't have Sync Academy, didn't have the Syndicate. You know, I had no sort of long-term plan on what this would become. Just like everything else, you start riding the bike and you realize, whoa, you know, you gotta kind of adjust or you gotta try something di different. And as I moved forward into the sort of educational business that I built for myself, I started getting a great communication going with those of you that are listening to this podcast. Probably some of you guys I've talked to and talked to three years ago, two years ago, and you guys gave me great feedback. You you let me know what you wanted to learn, what was helpful about my videos, what I was missing, what I needed to start including. And because of those conversations and that communication I got with you guys directly, that's what guided me into start offering some of the products and services that I have throughout the last two or three years, okay? And so we'll get into those um, in, in other episodes. But in this uh, first episode, again, I just wanted to talk to you guys about a little bit of my personal journey, how I got started, why um, I hit that wall, how I got through that, that wall. I didn't actually cover that yet. Sorry, my first episode. I'm a little bit nervous, I guess. But um, the reason why I was able to pull myself out of that funk is because now I had a community. I had those of you that were commenting on my um, uh, YouTube channel, those of you that were part of my Facebook group. Um, you were just sending me messages. And I suddenly got this sort of inspired motivational feeling of like, wow, it's, it feels good to help people. It really feels good to sort of pay it forward to the next uh, producer that wants to get involved in this industry, but they just don't know how to get started. Um, they might be confused, they might be scared, they might be intimidated. And it's so rewarding to get an email from somebody that says, Jesse, wow, that made sense, totally. Like you're finally the first person that could demystified this entire process for me. Everybody has all these conflicting opinions and, and sort of points of view on it, but your um, uh, point of view really just sort of got right to it and really explained the process. So, And there isn't just one way to succeed in this business. There's multiple ways. There's thousands of ways to actually go forward. But I will teach you guys exactly what worked for me. I'm not gonna teach you something again that I haven't personally lived. And so getting that feedback, getting that community, that sense of like, wow, there's more people out there that wanna get involved in this. And I even got emails from students, or um, um, I, I guess I wouldn't even call them students, just other sync licensing producers who were doing this full time, but then just discovered my YouTube channel. They were the ones that reached out and said, hey, Jesse, really cool stuff you're putting out there. Like absolutely what you're teaching is the real deal. I've been in this business as long as you have and like this is absolutely what producers need to hear and it's, it's a shame there aren't more resources out there to help people out. So they were giving me some sort of props and that felt really cool to be validated from other, you know, my peers, other people in the industry. And also that was great because it opened up new doors for me and I actually collaborated with some of them and those turned into really awesome, um, cool, lucrative opportunities for my personal sync licensing career. So all of that stuff started to kind of come back to me and sort and the um, the wall that I felt in front of me 
slowly started to dissipate. And I was like, wow, I feel excited again. I feel motivated. I feel, you know, now I have something to get up in the morning to be excited about that I can basically inspire and encourage the next generation of producers to really do well and succeed. And in the beginning, I wasn't thinking so much about this, but I think now three years into it, I get this question more than any other question probably, which is like, all right, Jesse, so if you're successful in sync licensing, why would you be giving this information out to the marketplace? Because obviously you would be supplying your own competition. Why are you trying to put yourself out of business, right? Um, this doesn't make any sense. There's gotta be some catch to this. Like, what's the deal here? Nobody who's really successful would be doing this. And now that I'm three years into it, I'm realizing now one of the big things that's really become um, larger and more important to me than just making money. And obviously, this is a business. When I, when I have products and I have services and I have my courses, obviously, I'm charging for those. And there's definitely a business there. And I want to be profitable with that business. So, you know, you guys obviously all know that. That's obviously a given. But as I've been into this um, uh, educational side of the business for three years, I'm starting to realize what's more important than the income even you earn um, from teaching and educating and providing these kind of services to producers. It's a legacy, right? It's basically going to be something that's going to serve me for decades into the future. Having the legacy of being somebody that not only provided these valuable paid services that I do offer, but I think I have probably the largest library of free content available anywhere online to teach producers how to succeed in this business. And it's high quality stuff. I do not put out, well, let me just give you a little bit of rope and then you're gonna hang yourself unless you come and buy my products. I hate seeing that kind of stuff online. I wanted to make sure I didn't do that. My videos have no catch to them. The free videos that I put out on my YouTube channel or the stuff that I'm gonna do here on this podcast are gonna give you 100% of the information that I feel that you could use to absolutely succeed 100% on your own. Um, I do feel that that is the way to go forward with this. And I, what I wanna do is provide a and build a legacy for myself to become one of the biggest, if not the biggest, um, uh, I guess you could say, educator in the sync licensing segment of the industry. And I wanna be the one known in history as the person that helped the most, the highest number of producers really succeed in this business. And that's the legacy that I wanna build for myself. It's actually now, I guess maybe it's part of getting older. I'm in my mid thirties now. You get a little bit older and you start realizing, yeah, income's great and money, you, you know, we gotta pay bills and all that good stuff. But having a legacy, having something bigger and more important than the money um, is something that's starting to become much more uh, interesting to me. And the other thing that I also say is that when people give me that criticism to say like, oh, it's, it's gotta be all BS because why would you be giving up all the secret sauce, right? Well, maybe you're not aware, but um, Hans Zimmer has a masterclass. Dead Mouse has a masterclass. Timberland, you know, biggest pop producer probably in history, has a masterclass, okay? They all teach you in these classes how to make the music that they make. Do you think they needed the money? Do you think they were struggling so much that they're like, ah, I can't pay the bills this month. Let me just put out a course. My guess is no. I don't think that Hans Zimmer needed um, some extra money. I think he's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire and he's set. I think the motivation is, I would guess, I'm not a mind reader, but I would guess it has something to do with similar for me. I think they want to pay it forward. I think there's an interest in terms of providing education and giving what they've learned to the next composer, the next Hans Zimmer, the next Dead Mouse, the next the Timbaland to really succeed and do well. I think they're doing it for the same reasons that I am, that they want to build that legacy to give back to the next generation. And so, but unlike them, I actually give, I think I have what, 300, maybe 400 free YouTube videos out there with a vast majority of all the knowledge and wisdom that I've gained in this industry. So 
I don't know if Timbaland's doing that. I don't know if Hans Zimmer is providing that kind of uh, free education out there, but I definitely am. I want to make sure that I am even separated from them in terms of, and I love them. This isn't a criticism on them. They're busy people and do whatever you want to do, right? But I do want to be different in that you will be getting the high quality stuff, even from just a free podcast like this or from the free YouTube channel that I put together. So with that being said, guys, that is my journey. That's why I decided to um, continue on and why I've been so thankful and so excited to pursue sync licensing and obviously build my, um, my educational platform here with Sync My Music. And I encourage you guys just to reach out. That's really what I wanted to get out of this um, uh, first episode is I want you to be vocal with me, okay? Whether it's leaving a comment on my YouTube channel, whether it's emailing me, uh, emailing me, my email is jesse at syncmymusic.com. Please email me. Let me know what you think about you know the podcast or anything else you guys are seeing from me. And the more that I can communicate with you guys, the better my free content is going to be, the more um, focused and the more relevant that stuff will become for your careers. And also when I develop maybe new or improve my current uh, paid services, that's where all of that stuff comes from. It's directly from you guys. And if it's not helping you succeed, why would I be doing it, right? That doesn't do me any favors. I'm going to create a failed product or a service that's not going to help you guys out, or I'm going to put out a video that nobody really finds relevant. It's not really that interesting. So it's wasting my time. It's going to be wasting your time. And I really do depend on you guys for that feedback, for that communication so that I can do the best stuff I can for your guys' careers to help you out in any way that I possibly can. So with all that being said, why sync licensing? Why is it the path that I've just been thrilled that I took and that I stuck with despite all the um, troubles and tribulations and all the things that I had to go through to get to where I am now? And what's in it for you? Why do I feel like this is such an incredible path to take as a music producer, as a musician? Well, number one in my story, as you noticed, it didn't matter where I lived. It didn't matter at all that I lived in LA or in New York or in a place where there's like a lot of industry stuff going on. You can live in the middle of the country. You can live in the middle of nowhere. Got to have an internet connection. Okay. So you do need to at least get a satellite connection or some things to be able to email and communicate with your library partners um, and be able to send them audio files, of course. But the ability to be completely location free, location independent, you can be anywhere you want to be, you can live in a place that's a much lower cost of living. So you don't have to just be paying through the nose for rent, um, you know, in some big city if you don't want to. So that I love that it gave me this feeling of I can go anywhere I want. And, um, you know, I haven't moved too far, just staying within the sort of the Southern California, lower uh, Nevada area. But in the future, if I do want to buy an RV and just travel the country or travel the world, nothing's stopping me. 100% nothing's stopping me from be being able to do that if I want to. Of course, I do not want to get in the same situation where I'm isolated from my friends and family, so I don't have any plans, obviously, of doing that. But the really cool thing is like when I do take vacations and I have some work I have to do, my laptop comes right with me um, and I make sure that I preload my laptop with the plugins or the sounds that I really need to be working with. And I do a lot of work from wherever. I've done work uh, while I was in Mexico. I had a video, one of the first videos I ever put up on my YouTube channel was me in Cancun, Mexico, knocking out a gig. And I show you guys how that's very possible. You can do that. So location independent, which is really cool. Secondly, I'm not a big fan of touring. Um, I think it's a romantic idea. It sounds fun. But um, I actually now, later on in life, I'm really glad that I'm not in a position where I'm in a band that every, let's say, eight months or so, I have to go out and hit the road and say goodbye to my friends and family. I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure part of it is exciting, but 
most of you probably watching have families or some other obligations and maybe for you leaving them all the time, you know, if you have kids or a wife or whatever, you don't want to leave them, you know, all the time and be on the road the majority of your life and miss birthdays and anniversaries and all that stuff, right? I just hear those stories from a lot of bands out there and I'm like, man, I just, I don't know. It sounds like a dream, but there's some part of that though that just sounds like it's really not ideal, at least not for me. So you can work from home. You can be closer to your family. You can actually spend more time uh, with your kids, with your wife, with your friends, whatever you want to do, doing more things like you enjoying your hobbies, right? You can actually be a lot closer to the people that you love, which is really awesome to do. Obviously, the income, I don't even think I have to mention that, but you have the ability to exponentially explode your income with your music through sync licensing, mostly because of syndication. That's where, let's say, one of your tracks get placed in the TV show that not only airs the first time, but airs continuously on the same network, and let's say it gets bought out by another another uh, network and continuously plays, and then gets bought out uh, and transferred or distributed to another country, and then that track, and then that episode keeps playing. You get paid every single time these things happen. Um, and so I have been earning income off of a track I got placed, you know, 2008, 2010. I have tracks that I still, from the first TV show that I ever got placed on, that TV show has just been in, in rerun land and it just keeps running and running and running. And so you continuously get that passive income building up. And so the more that you can build up your catalog, the more you can actually get um, that income really building with those royalty checks. And one track has the potential to get unlimited placements, right? It's not like you get one track on one TV show and that's it, that track is gone, at least you earned your money, hopefully it was a lot, no. I've had one track get multi TV, TV show placements on 20 to 30 different programs and networks, okay? So you have the ability, as long as you do this right, to scale your income exponentially and it can absolutely be your full-time income. Now, people always ask like, well, what are you talking about full-time income? Like 50,000, 100,000, a million a year? What is full-time? Well, obviously it depends on where you live. Like if you live in LA, 40, 50,000 will barely get you by, but not much. You're probably not gonna be thriving in a, in a city like that. But you know, 40, $50,000 in Vegas, you're doing pretty damn good. I mean, you've definitely got a home you can buy. Um, you have a lot of space you can have. Uh, so it kind of depends on where you live in terms of what is full-time income. Um, but what I generally recommend is that, or what I, what I say is definitely possible, is twenty to $50,000 a year is possible if you're sort of doing it about 80%. Like if you're giving a good full push at this thing and you're going about 80% of the way, um, you can still get to about that range. I think 20 to 50 is about where you'll probably see you'll top out at. But for those that can go the extra mile, can really become the inner circle members, Get and a lot of times this will come down to you're gonna be so highly entrenched in the library that you're partnered with that they're gonna send you that opportunity that's a $10,000 upfront sync fee or a $50,000 upfront sync fee. That doesn't come overnight, that comes with a long time um, and obviously proving yourself to your library partners. But for those that do that extra amount of work, you're definitely possibly seeing 100,000 or even more per year. And the coolest thing is that, let's say you do wanna take six months off, a year off, um, and you wanna just travel, you wanna just hang with your family, it's not like you stop earning your royalty checks. Well, he's not making new music, so don't pay him out his royalty checks. That's not how they operate. You just keep getting paid if your tracks keep getting placed and keep getting aired on multiple uh, TV shows, um, uh, radio stations, streaming networks now, obviously. So as long as there is a medium where your tracks can earn royalties, you'll continuously earn royalties and that could be passive income that you basically get to hand off to your family um, down the road. It's, it's, it's a, I've always talked about this. It's like your 401k plan as a musician. The more you feed it, 
the bigger it obviously potentially grows. That's kind of the idea of a 401k. Um, so the idea here is that because it's not a law, it's not a short-term get-rich-quick sort of an industry, um, this is something that you can build for years and years and years. And even if 10 years into it, you're like, okay, I'm, I, I'm good. Like I got what I needed to get out of this industry. I want to move on to something else. Those royalty checks are still going to be coming in as long as those obviously those TV shows keep airing and you keep getting those royalties, right? So that's what's really awesome about passive income is that, you know, I will wake up pretty much every quarter, look at my royalty check and realize, whoa, hey, there's another thousand bucks from something I did in 2011. I actually just had a video about that on my channel the other day. Um, or, you, you know, I had one that was $1,500 from a track that I produced in 2009, something like that. And so these are new placements with old music, stuff that I totally forgot that I even did, but hey, nice little surprise, extra thousand bucks on this royalty check, extra 800 bucks. Sometimes it's you know smaller than that, but sometimes it's big. So that's what's really awesome about passive income is that you are working hard, you're obviously always building up your catalog, but all of that hard work you did in the past doesn't just dissolve and go away. It continuously has the potential to be earning you new money today and for the next uh, foreseeable uh, couple of years with your royalty checks, okay? And last but not least, I think it's a sense of purpose, most of all, that I've really gotten out of sync licensing. I think before, when I was uh, in bands and just producing music and trying to shop to artists, I, I didn't have a, I, I didn't fit in anywhere, right? I was just shooting blanks everywhere. You know, hey, maybe I'll shoot with that artist. Maybe I'll get a deal with that artist. Or maybe I'll get a placement with them. Maybe I'll win this, uh, you know, whatever, cover contest. You know, I remember I made a, I think Linkin Park had a contest, like remix our song and you get to win, blah, blah, blah. Like I was falling for that kind of stuff, spending many hours doing that kind of stuff where there's 100,000 producers submitting to these little opportunities, right? So I didn't have um, focus. I didn't have a drive. I didn't have a purpose. I didn't have, I'd say I did have a drive, but I didn't have a sort of clear path What's my what, what's my function here? Where do I fit in into the industry? I don't even know what I'm really good at. I don't really know what I'm valued for. So those were all big question marks like lurking in the back of my music career before I got deep into sync licensing. And as the years went on, when I would get congratulations and thank yous from the music libraries, but most importantly, when I got checks, upfront checks, royalty checks. I remember one time when I was in Vegas, I got a phone call randomly from somebody who had been networked, um, who heard about me through one of the libraries I worked with, said, Jesse, we, we checked out your website, love what you're doing. We want to pay you seven grand to compose a track for this national commercial we're putting together. That is one of those things where you're like, wow, okay, I'm value. It's not just the money, guys. I mean, the money is great. Paying your bills is obviously great. I'm not going to ever hate on that. But even more important than that, to feel valued, to have somebody reach out to you to say, like, you have great music and we really want to hire you. We value you. We will pay you for your music. And this is where your function is. This is where your value is. This is where your purpose is. That has given me such a sense of fulfillment that I, I never would have had if it wasn't for sync licensing. So if you're watching this podcast or listening to it, however you're getting it, and you feel that sense of driftiness, you're not really sure where you fit in into the music industry, you're not really sure who you are and what role you're gonna play in this industry, I encourage you to, to really dive into sync licensing because it'll absolutely give you that. And everything that I teach and everything that I offer you guys is designed to basically weed out distractions because there's so many different people out there telling you, this is how you do this, this is how you do that. My purpose is to help you close, zero out all those distractions, especially these days now that social media and technology is starting to creep into every part of our lives. It's, it's more important now more than ever to start shutting things off actually because you, we are way too exposed to too much information and too many videos and too many podcasts and too much stuff. It's more important for you to quickly be able to sift out stuff that you think is gonna be useful for you, actually is gonna help you, motivate you, educate you, whatever you feel like, and everything else 
close it out, zero it out, unsubscribe, get away from it because there, it's just noise. There's just too much noise coming at us on a daily basis here um, with just this, this new world that we're getting into. And it's going to get noisier. It's not going to get quieter. So you're going to have to start to develop this sense of filtering information out or, or um, uh, approaches out that you just don't think are really gonna work for you. So I would imagine if you've listened to this podcast this far into it, there's something about sync licensing that's really resonating with you and you can visualize yourself being successful in this business. And I do encourage you, to dive in with both feet and just go for it. Don't just dabble. Um, don't sign up for a company that's like, hey, you know, you just pay us your fees and we'll give you some opportunities that we're also gonna send out to 10,000 other producers. Good luck. That's dabbling. That's not what I mean by jumping into sync licensing. Sync licensing for me, if you're gonna be a professional at this, you gotta directly approach and partner with music libraries. They need to know your name. They need to have your phone number. They need to have their your email address in their email inbox. No middleman, no middleman company, okay? All the stuff that I teach you guys is basically how to create high quality music and then how to directly partner with those companies to create direct relationships. No middleman. I don't want to be in the middle of any of that and nobody really should be, right? Unless they're providing some sort of a, you know, you're collaborating with somebody maybe and they're helping you mix and master your tracks. You guys are going to split things up. I mean, if you're doing some, something like that, I can understand there's value being exchanged. But for somebody just to take your tracks and pass it on to that guy and, you know, they're charging for that or taking some of your writer share, which I've heard of nightmare scenarios like that. Just please be aware that that's not necessary and music libraries are there with open arms and they want to accept you. They're looking for you. They're looking for high quality and motivated producers to jump onto their roster. So those are my reasons for why sync licensing is a 100% yes for me. And maybe that'll help you decide if it's a yes for you. So that's it for episode one. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with episode two next week. I'm going to do this once a week so you guys can look forward to getting these uh, episodes every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in for this first one. Thank you for listening to the Sync My Music podcast. If you enjoyed the show and want me to do more episodes, all that I ask is that you leave me a review on whatever platform or app that you're listening to. It just takes a few seconds. I'll never charge for this podcast and I want to keep it 100% ad-free. And your review right now will help me do just that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.